Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. to the Denver Stiffs show. I'm your host Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday night as we are coming off a, a late night recording here where I am joined today by our resident draft expert at Denver Stiffs, our satirical contributor, Denver Stiffs writer extraordinaire, Daniel Lewis. Dan, how is the child? Uh, well, bedtime is the worst time, so I think he's <laughs> finally going to sleep and hopefully he stays asleep for a solid eight hours hoping for it uh you you've been down in arizona for a good a good amount of time now things have definitely settled down for you uh i am curious as to like how how this time period has been really affecting you in in arizona versus like colorado or versus you lived in virginia before correct yeah i've lived all over new york city virginia texas colorado um but uh you know we we had a hundred in 50 days in a row of over 100 degrees um, temperatures, of 100 degree highs in Phoenix this summer. You're kidding. Uh, no, yeah, That's I set a, a record. For, set a record for hottest summer on record down here. Oh, my God. Uh, and I, I, moved, I moved here in May, so pretty much right when it started, and it just ended about two weeks ago. Just dipped down below 100 degrees uh, consistently, so. Dude, it's, it's nice. Here. It's nice. It's, it's like 50 degrees in the morning, and it tops out at like 80 degrees right now so you know i, oh, I haven't guess, really yeah. got haven't really gotten into the fall spirit i've made zero pumpkin anything um <laughs> it, it just doesn't feel like fall. there's no change in the colors you know I, I can just actually finally start going outside but it's dark at 5 30 so fall down here is great <laughs> <laughs> yeah it seems like a I, I'm hopeful for winter down there for you guys. Like, if, if you're not a fan of snow, then winter in Phoenix seems like a really good idea, or Arizona in general. Like, seems like a great idea just to stay warm. But yeah. I, I couldn't imagine, like, not being able to... Like, the only time that I could really appreciate the seasons was when I could finally go outside because it dropped below 100. Yeah, well... And, you know, you can't really enjoy winter anyways because the suns are playing, so... You got that <laughs> yeah. to deal with too. <laughs> True, it hasn't hasn't been that exciting yet, but it might soon be. It might it might might definitely pick up here pretty quickly. Um, well, I'm I'm curious about your take about this draft because this is this is obviously unique for everybody. Uh, 2020 has been quite a blast, and and we're all just just waiting to get out of it. The draft is now scheduled for November 18th, and it looks like that's going to stay that like that um how much change do you think that you've made to your draft board ever since march um i mean it's tough because they haven't been playing games but right um so there's nothing 
you can really evaluate on, and you don't want to base all your evaluations off of March Madness, but it is a good opportunity for you to be able to scout, especially like mid-major players against top talent. I, you know, someone like a Grant Riller, um, who hasn't really had a chance to play against elite teams, can get to go in in the high pressure games, and you get to see how someone like that performs. Um, so that gives you some more data points to look at. Um, but now that we're coming up on a season where, um, I mean, it looks like they're still going to try to get in, you know, sixty to seventy games before the Olympics or the playoffs and the Olympics start. Um, and the draft is so close to the beginning of the season. I, right. I do feel like I've dropped some players down my board that are more like projects and raised players up higher that I feel like are more um, NBA ready. So someone like a Sadiq Bey, who I wasn't really that high on in March as, compared to other people, I've, I've kept, I feel like I've kept him, you know, relatively high, uh, because he played for four years at Villanova, right? So a, a really quality program, and he's been a, a steady contributor. Um, someone like that is, is going to be more valuable because, I mean, look at like, look at like a Monte Morris kind of a person where you're getting a, a, sure. a four-year player who has a lot of experience, and you're like, okay, well, he may, his ceiling may not be as high, but his floor isn't as low. You know, I, I know he should be able to at least do these things and position himself well on defense, where someone like... You know, a Patrick Williams, who didn't start and played one season at Florida State, um, I'm not going to rank as high as others might because I'm like, well, he, he's going to need a couple of years, and, you know, I, I need people to contribute now, um, especially with the sal- with salary cap questions. You're wanting players that are going to be able to contribute um, from as early as possible on their rookie contract. Um, so that you can try to get that advantage and not have to spend a ton of money for starter or rotation level role players. Um, do you think so that's that's kind of adjusted my rankings since March. Do you think that's realistic though? That like I I know because this this class is is weak at the top, but there are some potential contributors in the middle and at the <clears> bottom. Uh, the the first round should be peppered with guys that I think stick around the league for a while. Uh, is it realistic to think that anybody's going to come in and contribute right away just because of the quick turnaround? Like, I, 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 I would think that somebody like Desmond Bain from TCU would be a really good option for that as a four-year guy who, who fully worked on his game, just appears very intelligent on the court and has a lot of different skills and contribute in pretty much every way possible. But, like, even him, like, I, I would I would be a little bit concerned about just incorporating a new player uh, who hasn't been with the team and and like his, is going to be at the training facility for like a week before preseason actually starts, right? Like, I, I'd be stunned if uh, there was more than like three or four players from this draft class that were um, playing like meaningful playoff minutes. You know, because if you're giving someone in from the, the first draft year, class, right? In the first, yeah, year? in the first year, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. you know, if their their rookie season. Um, you know, if you're giving a rookie from this draft class a lot of minutes, you're most likely not going to be a playoff team. Um, sure. You know, someone like the Warriors, if they're looking at like, oh, we're going to take James Wiseman, who played three games at Memphis, you know, and hasn't played in almost eleven months, like 
how can you expect him to slide into a game and start playing 30 minutes a night? Again, you know, and the Warriors are such an advanced defensive team. There, it would be a miracle, you know, if he was able to just immediately start from day one and be an impact player. You know, look at look at someone like Michael Porter Jr., who got very slowly brought along, had an entire year off the court, you know, not playing to be able to try to to pick up the Nuggets playbook, and was sure. a disaster schematically in the playoffs because he didn't have game reps. And, you know, you're, they're not going to get a lot of practice time. Once the season starts, you're not going to be practicing because the vets aren't going to be, they're going to be needing that time to rest. Like the, the, it's going to be really hard for rookies to, to A, crack the starting rotation, or B, just even get into like a, a role player position where they're playing a ton of minutes. I think you're, if you're getting like 15 to 20 minutes of like, you know, like a, Net zero, you know, uh, plus minus zero contributions from a rookie. I feel like you're you're getting a pretty good deal. Yeah, especially initially. Like you got to be pretty happy about a guy who just keeps the keeps the boat afloat. Um, but I, I'm with you there. So let's let's transition a little bit. I, I wanted to use this first segment, and then we'll use the second and third segments to really go and break down some guys individually. Uh, but I wanted to use this third se- this first segment to really talk about what the Nuggets actually need. Because I think there there is definitely some there are some questions about what they what they actually could use. And given that they have there are a lot of rotation players on their roster that they feel pretty good about. Uh, they still feel pretty good about Gary Harris and Will Barton if they're going to be back. Monte Morris if he's going to be back. Uh, PJ Dozier if they if they re-sign Mason Plumlee or Paul Millsap. But the four guys that I really think are the only ones that I sh- that they should count on, and it's really like three. Uh, is Jokic, Murray, Porter, and Grant. Uh, and just, just continuing to think about the draft from the perspective of building around those four guys. Uh, do you feel differently? Do you think that Denver should be just trying to work somebody in off the bench with whoever's the bench guys? Or how are you feeling about this? No, I, I think I agree. That I, I, you know, I hear Nuggets fans referring to them as the core four. I think that's a great nickname. Um, I mean, hopefully we, we can figure out something a little more creative, but it works for right now. Um, but like those are the four guys you, you should be building your team around and trying to think, okay, I can draft more for team need. Like if, if this guy might be, you know, just as throwing out a number 45th on the ESPN board, but he fills a need for Denver. Um, it's better to get a player like that under team control for three to four years on their first contract. Um, and, and say, okay, you know. I'm not planning for you to contribute this season. I'm planning on you contributing 20, 21, 22. Or, you know, you're, you're, you have one elite skill, and I know that if I put you in, you know, like a, an elite rebounder, right? I can put you in at the five and, or at the four, and I can play you next to Jeremy Grant on the, you know, in, in certain situations, you can help rebound around the glass. That leaves him to play defense and try to block shots. I don't sure. have to worry about his rebounding inefficiencies because you're going to be sucking up all these rebounds. Sure, you can't shoot. You know, you struggle to pass. But, you know, I've got you for $1.5 million, and you're going to average, you know, 13 rebounds per 36 minutes on the court. So I, I feel like it's easier to try to find something to fill a team need. Um with a specialist in the draft. Right. So 
So the Nuggets have this foundational center in Jokic. They have this foundational point guard in Murray. Uh, they've got a generational scoring forward prospect who they think is going to be a great rebounder and developing some other skills in Michael Porter Jr. And then they've got this versatile one-on-one -on -one forward defender with Grant. Uh, again, everything else, I think it's subject to change. But the if, if you're just looking at those four, what is the top need that you have going into the draft? Uh... Uh, I mean, ideally, it's getting Gary Harris healthy, um, but sure. I think <clears throat> I think their biggest need in the draft, and this this kind of you know reflects on who my number one target for them in the draft is is actually finding a, a young athletic defensive center, um, someone that can rebound, um, play you know switch a you know switch out on the perimeter. I mean, obviously they're not going to be able to get stops all the time, but it's adequate there. But also is able to help keep the offense moving on defense or on the other side of the court. Um, not necessarily a, a like a stretch five, but just someone who can handle the ball, help with DHOs, is a good option in the pick and roll. Um, but somebody that helps keep that bench unit versatile because I, I think having a, a deep bench that is really productive is going to be really important this season. And uh, I, that's my number one team need for the for the Nuggets is to upgrade at, at backup center without having to re-sign uh, Mason Plumlee. And and if they do re-sign um, him or I mean I really don't want them to bring him back, but if they bring back Paul Millsap or something I like, I don't think he has the ability to play center. Um, I, I think if you get an athletic enough center, you can kind of try to cover what Millsap's athletic might, ability might be and sure you're just playing like two power forwards basically um, yeah they, if you they, play... may, they may switch off in between depending on, on the assignment but someone that can play on the bench and it is a very valuable productive center and especially where the Nuggets are drafting is a really good bargain yeah I'm, I'm with you there and, and I think it's funny that uh, back in 2011, I believe it was, they drafted Kenneth Fareed around this range, and and he's kind of in that same mold of a of just a big man who I think would be ideally six nine to seven foot or that range, but has mobility, can switch in on defense, can guard one on one, helps elevate your team defense levels, rebounds, and then like you said, kind of efficiently moving the ball on offense. They when they get their opportunities, they score those efficiently, whether it's shooting, whether it's at the rim, whether it's whatever. Um, but that was my second biggest need, my top need for this team. And again, this is more long-term than anything. Uh, you want those big wings. You want the, the guy who's 6'5 to 6'7, uh, can defend one through three, uh, shoots threes, but is also a secondary ball handler for a guy like Murray. Uh, I'm not sure how many of those guys are actually in this draft that that kind of project to fill that role. I think there might be one, but that that would be the ideal for from my perspective. Okay, yeah, I mean, I I definitely think that they need to find wings that are athletic. I, I don't think they can keep plugging in like six foot three shooting guards or six foot four shooting guards and hope to be able to compete against the top teams, but. They really just need, you know, like you're saying, that one guy. I, I, I do think that's an important need. I just think uh, 
getting a big man is a little bit more important. Yeah, and and I, the reason why I didn't have a big man that high was because I think they can get somebody like that in free agency if need be. Uh, maybe not necessarily in the draft, but when I, when I think of backup center and backup point guard specifically, it, it might not like because I think the guy that you're talking about also has the ability to play next to Jokic. Uh, but when the playoffs roll around and when Jokic is playing 36, 40 minutes a night, like I I, I don't want to be shelling out a ton of money and even spending first round picks on guys who I think are going to project to not play that much sure i think that uh i i also and i think you feel this way too i I do feel like there's an option for the nuggets to improve at shooting guard um and to kind of clear up their guard rotation and that player would be playing 35 to 40 minutes a night so you would you would need that big body for the regular season (laughs) once the playoff comes you're only playing seven eight guys anyways sure and and i i assume you're talking about drew holiday I am, yeah. Yeah, I... I'm not talking about James Ennis. <laughs> <laughs> what? No. No. Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested, though, because the more I think about the season and the, and the more condensed it is and the more likely it is to start on December 22nd, like, is it more or less likely that they're going to trade for Drew Holiday? I think it probably has to be less, right? I think it is less likely, yeah. Unfortunately. I've... Yeah. Or, so it I, just, or what it does is since the trade deadline comes up so quickly, if the Pelicans are bad, they're just like, look, well, we're trading him. Like this season's a wash anyways. Let's just get, you know, a, a draft pick and some, you know, a veteran that can help contribute next season as well. And we'll ship them out. So I think it makes it less likely that they trade before the season starts, but more likely that they trade during the season. So it, it balances out. Yeah. Which is why I think, selecting a wing in the draft is okay like even if that player doesn't project to play uh, if you find a guy that you think could project to be there for a long time because remember drew holiday is 30 years old uh he's he's going to be on an expiring deal basically and if the nuggets use resources to go get that guy and then he walks away then what are the nuggets left with if they don't have a championship so i i, I still think that that need is going to be present even if they go get a guy like Drew. Uh, so I, I'm not sure I would uh, think too far ahead on that one, even though that's a guy who I, I think is great and would complete them as a championship contender. Yeah, I, I do want to speak speak out in defense of guys like Zach. You know, 30 isn't really that old. So <laughs> true, 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 he's, true. He's got a couple um, more years. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and and so does Drew. Like like Drew definitely has like like he has playable time left. There is a reason why he is a desirable trade candidate for a lot of people. Um, if the Nuggets don't happen to be able to trade for him, uh, or if he just decides to walk away because he is very valuable and the Nuggets just may not have enough money to keep a guy like that, then there is definitely reason to. Uh, add a long-term solution going forward. And I don't think that solution is on the roster right now. Sure. Do you want to hear my, uh, I guess, because my second need was, you know, athletic wings. Do you want to hear number three from me? Sure. Uh, It is a scoring point guard. Okay. Um, So I know we've got Jamal Murray, who is currently our scoring point guard. Um, Monte Morris, I wrote about I did his end of season review and you know um, 
he's going to be on an expiring contract this next season. I think it's highly unlikely that he comes back just because some other team is going to want to add him to their roster, potentially as a starting point guard, or just say, hey, we've got some extra money. You know, a team like Memphis where they've got um, John Morant on a cheap contract for a couple seasons um, before they'll probably extend him. Say, hey, we're going to give you $10 million a year to come play back a point guard for us. And then I get to sure. say, well, thank you, Monte. It's been great. And uh, now we're needing a new backup point guard. So <laughs> instead of just finding someone, you know, uh, a retread, someone that's been around the league for a long time, I do think that there's an option for them to try to find a, a point guard in this year's draft and kind of say, okay, hey, we're going to send you down to the G League. You're going to get some minutes down there. We want you to focus on scoring in the pick and roll, uh, getting to your spots and scoring efficiently. And be, but also we want you to be more aggressive shooting three pointers. Um, if, if there's one thing that I think that, and it, it, it's not really Monte's game, but I, I do think that they are kind of missing that from a point guard off the bench. Um, somebody sure. that isn't it is is less or uh, is more aggressive in saying, "Hey, I, I'm going to pull the trigger on some three pointers," whether it's in transition or just saying, "Hey, you know, this guy's not respecting." Uh, my three-point shot enough, I'm going to just pull the trigger from right here instead of dribble, you know, try to beat the defense and, you know, probe, trying to create an opportunity for my big man and then pulling up for like a 15-footer. I want, I'd want. i like to see somebody that's more like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to shoot the ball, you know, I'm going to shoot the ball if you're going to leave me open like this. Um, still takes care of the ball and is efficient with it, doesn't turn the ball over as much, um, but then could potentially could even, you know, like Monte Morris does is play alongside Murray. And then you've got two point guards on the court who are both um, eager scorers and looking to try to get their shot off. And that, that can really, you know, break a defense. If you've got two ball handlers that are capable of scoring at all three levels. I'm, I'm with you on that front. And, and one of the reasons why I think it actually makes a lot of sense there is that bench players and bench offenses in, in them of themselves are just not great. And like, especially when you when you try to run it the same way that you run the starting unit, the, the Nuggets have been doing this a lot. And the reason why the bench unit has always broken down is like when you get into a situation where the bench players like Monte Morris and Mason Plumlee are trying to run the same offense that Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic are. Uh, when they're doing it against starters, it doesn't work as well. When they're doing it in tougher situations, it it, it has always kind of shrunk a little bit. So there is something to be said there. Uh, that would be my fourth need, uh, and the reason why it's not three, and my, my big board definitely reflects this, uh, I think a forward that's kind of in that 6'7", six, 6'9", six, range, uh, who can defend both forward spots and hit threes, I think that player would be insanely valuable for the Nuggets this season, <laughs> while Michael Porter Jr. is getting his legs under him, just in case Jeremy Grant walks away, uh, given the the utility of forwards and and guys who are in between that six six to six nine range, like I think there is definitely in a playoff setting with the Nuggets, it relying on Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic so much heavily, like everything in between should be fair game, and I, I think that there are, there are players who fit that billing in this draft that the Nuggets may be able to select. So you're saying you'd prefer someone like a uh, uh, Robert Woodard 
over Vlaco Chanchar. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think I think there's there's <laughs> definitely some logic there. Uh, but like we talked about him earlier, I think Sadiq Bay would be a great fit for this team. Okay. Um, yeah. And if they if they can't draft a guy who I uh, there are a couple of other guys at the top there that I think make a lot of sense, but if they can't draft for one of those other needs, then I think if you add Sadiq Bay to a roster that includes Jeremy Grant and Michael Porter Jr., then you're always feeling good about the forward options that you have, and you can use them in pretty much any combination. Yeah, I mean, I, Sadiq Bay he was kind of like the primary ball handler for Villanova when he was most productive for them. And, you know, I, I'm not quite as sure how impactful of a, of a defender he's going to be in the NBA. Um, I think if if you're looking at someone like Sadiq Bey, if he's still available, hopefully someone like Desmond Bain would be available. A little bit smaller, but just, you know, much stronger. Um, I would just take him instead. Maybe. Uh, I w- we'll see how it goes. I think Sadiq Bey is going to end up being bigger. I, I compared him to kind of a bigger Josh Hart who – like kind of just does a lot of stuff and, and you're never going to feel like you have a weakness with Josh Hart on the floor. Uh, but he's six, five and Bay is, I think six, seven or six, eight. And, and I just think that there's some utility to having a guy like that. I think he's more like an auto Porter personal personally than like, a like I, I don't see him as a primary ball handler at the next level. Yeah. I just like, you know, we, we all have players that uh, we kind of get reminded of sometimes in drafts and they scare us off players. When I see a guy like Sadiq Bey, I, I just get scared of Denzel Valentine, who didn't really pan out for the Chicago Bulls. But yeah, and that, and that doesn't mean that he will be. You know, I just no, I, I'm with you. Personal bias, I, you know. I I'm I'm going the other way on it because I think that he's got the Villanova syndrome syndrome on him, and he just those guys all turn out to be good role players, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I mean, look at that guy that uh, oh, man, what's his name? The guy with the Warriors, uh, Pascal. Uh, yeah. Yep, Pascal. Eric Pascal. Of course, they did also trade trade Omari Spellman for like nothing. So there is yeah. there is something yeah. to be said that maybe this isn't entirely true. But but he's I'm going to stick Atlanta with now? it. For, I think he's yeah, in uh, now. no, I think he's with Minnesota. Like, oh my gosh, I think, really? I have no idea. Yeah, I think Who he got traded for? there. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay. Well, I think we've we've exhausted the uh, the needs discussion. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to hear Dan's top ten for the player that he would be most comfortable selecting at twenty two. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Denver Stiff Show, Ryan Blackburn here, joined by Daniel Lewis, of course, resident draft expert for Denver Stiffs. Okay, Dan, uh, I'm interested in whether you want to start at your number 10 or your number one for the player you most want Denver to select. Um, We can start number one. Uh, I kind of alluded to it in the first segment, but it's Xavier Tillman. Um, Wow. 
He's a power forward center out of Michigan State. Um, just a really offensive, vers- ver- versatile offensive threat. Um, can dribble, um, pass the ball really well. Not much of a shooter. He's not much of a guy that can you're going to be wanting to stretch the floor. Um, but he's not hesitant. You know, he's not unwilling to shoot three pointers. He just doesn't convert them at a very or didn't convert them at a very good rate. I was at Michigan State, but uh, where he really shines for me is on defense. Um, you know, the Big Ten has a lot of really good centers, and he was able to go up against guys like Jalen Smith, Daniel Turo. Um, I can't remember the name of the center out of in Illinois, but he was a pretty good center. Um, th- these are really good players that he's going against, big dudes. And at 6'8", sure. um, what's t- Tillman's at 6'8", uh, like 250 pounds. Yeah, he's a tank. You know, he, he he was able to stonewall those guys. You know, Jalen Smith is a seven-footer who's agile and nimble, can run around. And Smith had a pretty good game in the first game, but Tillman still was just able to stone him and get a couple of really key blocks and make some big plays. Um, Daniel Turu is a, a really offensive, talented center, but just kind of a more you know more traditional five. Tillman you know won that matchup. Um, he he's just a, a excellent defensive center, and I feel like he's someone that could sh- you know show up on the Nuggets roster, play with a nasty edge, you know help set really good screens for the guards on offense. And just be kind of a versatile defender, and not. I'm looking more like okay, if I'm going to be drafting a big, I need him to be able to defend Anthony Davis. Um, he, you know, Anthony Davis pretty single-handedly kept the Nuggets out of the finals in that in their playoff series this year. And I, I mean, Tillman is obviously not as tall as Anthony Davis, not as fast, but few players are going to be that way. And the one thing I do think that Tillman has over Davis is that. Tillman's gonna, you know, play with a snarl. He's not gonna back down. You know, he's sure. he's gonna put his shoulder into his chest, and he's not gonna he's not gonna let Davis intimidate him. And you know, Davis is you know may win seven out of ten matchups, but that's you know better than what Davis is doing against Paul Millsap or you uh, know Mason I, Plumley, I, so. I'll, I'll push back on the Paul Millsap. That, like I actually think that Paul Millsap did a really good job on Anthony Davis. That's just the only thing that I think that. Millsap did really well in that series. Was he he guarded Anthony Davis reasonably well? Yeah, um, just rebounding was. Uh, yes, that that is going. true, and and having somebody who can jump is is important. Uh, how <laughs> like do you think that Tillman can play the four next to Jokic? I do think he can, and here, and it's because of his uh, versatility versatility on offense. You know, he he was a dribble handoff option for them for Michigan State. And he, he actually plays as a really good uh, dive man in the pick and roll. Cassius Winston is a really good point guard. Um, played a couple of years up there at Michigan State as well. Sure. And those guys were able to just create some really great offense in the pick and roll. Um, Tillman sets good screens, and then he just got really good timing because he's he spent a lot of time studying on where he needs to go and what he needs to do. And so he, you know, he's catching the ball on the roll, and he's like almost like Jokic where. He's like, okay, I know if the defense does this, this guy's open, and I just throw the ball there, and my teammate's going to be there. Now, I think where that works well with Jokic is you said double high screens uh, with him and Jokic on the court at the same time, and that means that the defense is now saying, okay, 
I need to, now I need, I have this passing thread um, where I'm going to have, potentially have a shooter in each corner. And, you know, I've got a point guard coming off these two screens with Jokic and Tillman. I don't know who's rolling. I don't know who's popping. If Jokic pops and Tillman rolls, like, okay, now I got three on two and this guy could go straight to the rim and dunk on me. Sure. If Tillman pops and Jokic is the one rolling, you know, Tillman has the size to catch that ball real quick and then just whip a pass down to Jokic, you know, right near the rim. And that's, that's big to big passing. You know, that's, that's something that's been able to be a success in the NBA for a long time. And, uh, I would love to see that on offense. I'm I'm curious how he translates and whether he can develop a jumper because you need a guy like that. If you are going to run double high screens, then you need a guy like that to be able to pop as well as roll. Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm interested though. I do I do like it. I think that he's a guy who I'm not sure if he could play next to Jokic, and that's why I've knocked him down a little bit lower. Like I still have questions about whether he can defend on the perimeter really well. Uh, and if he can't shoot, then I struggle with it. Uh, he hasn't answered those questions quite yet. It doesn't mean that he can't, uh, but I, I'm at least a little concerned. So give me your number two. All right. Uh, I was just going to lift off the stats real quick for Tillman, and I'll give you my number two. So he averaged 10 rebounds a game, 13 points a game, two blocks, 1.2 steals, uh, three assists, shot 26% from three, 67% on the free throw line. And 100% of his threes last season were assisted. <laughs> so he's a catch the, uh, guy. The three assists are big. And the Nuggets like those smart passers. And like I do see a scenario where he could re- replace Paul Millsap's spot in the rotation. I just think that the Nuggets are going to go with... Uh, like they're going to go with Grant and Porter at the forward spots. And I'm not sure how much utility those guys have being pushed up a spot. Uh, but sure. we're going to see. Like I, I'm, I'm curious about it at least. Okay. Give me your two. Okay, number two. Um, so based off the parameters that you gave, where we're not, you know, listing any of the top ten guys off of the ESPN um, top available rankings. Correct. My that was that was our guy, criteria. Yep, my number two guy is Cole Anthony out of North Carolina. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah you you your your board and mine are quite different. Uh, explain. <laughs> so. Um, I mentioned that one of the needs I'm looking for is a more of a scoring point guard threat. I think Anthony just kind of suffered from playing on a, a team in North Carolina that didn't quite have the talent um, manifest itself quite the way that they were they normally do down there. Um, he played with an injury a lot of the season, but this is a really athletic point guard um, who has you know the NBA pedigree that you you know that you like to see for some of these players like this. He's grown up in the game for a long time. Uh, really competitive. Um, you know, again, didn't have quite as good of a season as you would hope to see um, for someone out of college, but he did only play 20 games um, as a starter. Um, sure. You know, he shot 30, 34.8% from three. I think he could easily be a 38% three-point shooter, and that's a lot of those coming off, off the dribble. Um Got to the free throw line a lot, which is a weakness for the Nuggets. Averaged 18.5 points a game. Um, almost four assists a game, but again, on a better team, I think that that number would tick up. He's got pretty good size um, at 6'3", 185 pounds. Um, 
I, I think that he would be a really good addition. I, I could see him playing a lot of minutes next to Jamal Murray and those guys just, uh, you know, in, in minutes when Michael Porter Jr. is off the court and, you, you know, you may be going with another, you know, a three-guard lineup with Anthony, Murray, and Harris. I, I, I really like the offensive firepower that he could add to the Nuggets roster. I'm kind of with you. And, and I listened to uh, Chris Vernon on the Ringers podcast this week. And, and Cole Anthony was the guy that he brought up towards the end of it. And, and I definitely see it. Like, he, he, the talent that surrounded him sucked. And there's nobody else from North Carolina who is in this draft. They played with two bigs all the time. Like, obviously, they're going to stand around and watch him. And he, and he had these poor shooting performances. But you see a lot of flashes from him. And he's a, he's a classic guy. I think Tyrese Maxey is another guy like this who – when the floor is going to open up for them and when they're not playing two bigs, it's it's going to like their games are going to look so different. They're they're going to look a lot better with the just a, a better spaced floor and a, a system that's designed for them to score. So, I'm with you there. I he is again like I I just haven't prioritized the backup point guard spot and maybe I should because this is this guard is a this draft is a guard heavy draft. So, I I hear you there. Um I think I think the, one of the reasons I have him targeted too, and I, I have another point guard targeted. But like you're saying, there's a lot of point guard options in here, and especially as you get like into the second round, you can find guys that are kind of like Monte Morris clones, you know, these like game manager guys. But like, just if 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 there's one thing I think that you need a lot of in the NBA, I mean, obviously athletic wings, but uh, you know, having a ball handlers, point guards that can attack defenses. You're never going to go wrong if you can get a guy like that. Yeah, I hey, I, I hear you. And and I just I have a lot of trust in Murray, Porter, Jokic to really carry that offense and then for them to figure it out other than those guys. But maybe that's not maybe that's not the entire thing. Maybe they need a fourth guy. Maybe they need a fifth guy who can really carry offense like that. So I, I'll I'll keep that in mind. Uh give me your number three. Okay, my number three guy is Kyra. Uh, I'm gonna say it wrong again. I'm second guessing myself. Kyra Lewis Jr. <laughs> out of Alabama. <laughs> nice. Um, Another small guard. I, I probably got it wrong, but anyway, <laughs> he's you know again six foot three, 170 pounds, thirty six percent shooter from three, um, averaged almost five assists a game, eighteen and a half points, at getting four free throws a game, so not as much as Anthony, but what really sets um, him apart, not not just that he has a great last name, but um, he is really fast, and I think that's something that the Nuggets could really use in addition to. Um, they're, they are not a transition team, um, but in the half court, if they can get someone that can cut well off from the perimeter and get to the rim in the blink of an eye, I think that Jokic would love to be able to play with someone like that again. Um, since Gary Harris has kind of been slowed down by injuries and Will Barton um, is more of a ball handler, it seems like, when he's on the court. But Lewis is another just, you know, talented point guard. Um, and I, th- I think the Nuggets would be uh, – would really welcome him as, to their team. So I, I, it makes sense that he's here, like because he's a he's a spark plug guy. He's a guy who, if you're if you're getting him off the bench, then you're wanting him kind of like Cole Anthony. You want him to score. You want him to be aggressive. You want him to kind of control everything. And and I get that 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 would be that would be interesting. Uh, what's your number four? Okay, so 
this is going to start fading more towards like this identifies as a team need um, instead of just like best player available. Sure. It's more like what I was doing with my first couple picks. Um, my next player is Precious Achua out of Memphis. He's high on my board. <clears throat> so, yeah, I'm sure he, for good reason. Uh, he's, he's a good rebounder, high energy guy, um, can guard a lot of different positions. I think that would be really beneficial to the Nuggets to be able to slot someone that can rebound and guard because he's going to do a lot of the dirty work that some of, I don't know, people, players like Michael Porter Jr. might not be willing to do right now. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if I want him diving for loose balls because That's okay. Yeah, hey, so, hey, you, you um, score, dude. You go get 25 yeah, a night. That's let fine. It, let Achua dive for loose balls and be our, you know, Gerald Wallace kind of sure. uh, role player. But, I you know, I don't really want him to be shooting a lot. I don't really care about that. I just want him catching dunks, getting offensive rebounds, being a threat around the rim. And then on defense, just helping cause havoc. And uh, I think he's going to be able to fill that role. The, the, the lack of scoring versatility is, is worrisome. But um, if you're really just thinking, I, this is my backup 4-5, someone that can play next to Jokic, play next to Grant, play next to Porter, um, I, I think he would be able to fill that role well. I think there's a good chance that he's probably the best player in this draft as a counter to the elite big men uh it might be onyeka okongwu but i think it's probably precious achua uh two great names there by the way uh and i think he frees up Jokic a little bit that and and can play some power for it like he's a guy that is in more of the tristan thompson kenneth farid mold as an offensive player when he's playing next to Jokic, but he's also a guy who i think would be okay with that like he's a grinder he's a he's very uh like a good rebounder he gets inside he's very physical uh, that would be a good role for him on the offensive side of the floor. And when Jokic is off the floor, then maybe he serves that Bam out of bio role where he's more of a, a dribble handoff guy but can roll hard to the rim, make some plays out of the pick and roll when he gets the short feed. And and you never know. Like I think he's a guy who could also give you a lob dunk threat. I, I like that. I think that's a good option. Yeah. Uh, um, are we on number five now? We are on number five. Okay. Um, this one again feels more of a team need. I'm going with Josh Green out of Arizona. Okay. Um, he is a athletic wing, 6'6", 205. Um, looks like someone that could really add a lot of muscle to his frame and just be a, a really solid guy that is going to punish people at the rim and also just be able to, to guard you know one through three pretty efficiently. And then as he adds strengths, potentially switching on to fours, um, and more just trying to have a steady base and be someone that's just going to be pesky to score on. Sure. Um, not as not as much of a shooter, um, but again, kind of ha- kind of has a weird shot. Um, really didn't take very many three two point seven attempts per game at thirty six percent from three at Arizona. But you know they they ran a lot of their offense through Nico Mannion and Zeke and Nanji. Um, mm-hmm. So he's not going to be getting. He didn't get a lot of field goal attempts. Only nine point six per game, um, so him scoring twelve points a game. A lot of that's coming in transition as well. Um, yeah. Again, I think he's he's a player that would require a, a lot more development in order for him to fit into the Nuggets rotation. But at six six two oh five, that's the you know size, wingspan, and weight that you're kind of looking for in a wing for the Nuggets. I'm with you there. Uh, let's talk about him more in my segment. Like I, I think there's definitely 
definitely potential for him to be on there. Uh, what about six for you? Um, I'm going to go with Tyler Bay. Tyler Bay is also six on mine. So interesting. Wow, look at that. <laughs> look at that. Um, we can talk more about him in your segment as well. I'm sure you did a profile and you're more familiar with him. Yeah, we could do that. That's a, that's a good idea. Uh, but hey, he's a he's a great option. Uh, kind of like a good Jeremy Grant type replacement. Uh, yeah. Makes a lot of sense in in that respect. So okay, number seven for you. Um, I'm going to go with Desmond Bain. I probably need to rank him a little bit higher, but. Um, again, just we've talked about him before, uh, a strong defender, smart offensive player. I think he's going to be a really good shooter. Uh, I'm not sure you know, if his athleticism is ever really going to translate into him being a successful starter, but like as a bench guard, no problem. I, I think he'll be able to succeed there. I'm with you. He, I think the, the first thing that I have listed next to him is NBA-ready wing. Like he's a guy who can get into an NBA rotation right now. If there's any player in this draft that is ready to contribute at a relatively high level, I think it's probably him. Okay, the next guy that I've got then is Jemias Ramsey, at a eight. shooting guard out of Texas Tech. Okay. Yep. Uh, he is. Uh, is he on my? No, I actually I've I've dropped him off of my board, and and I was I was expecting him to be a little bit better of a defender going back into this. I, I haven't so been haven't been really impressed with him there. Yeah, he he's got the physical tools, but just not a lot of experience. Didn't really quite um, play as well on defense as you were hoping at Texas Tech. I think if he'd stayed there for like two more seasons, he would be like a top twelve pick pretty easily. Yeah, um, but he decided to go declare for the draft, and you know I, he's probably like two years away though from contributing. But I I do really like his shot. He reminds me of J.R. Smith. Um, I can see in that. good ways and bad ways. Um, <laughs> so yeah, for sure. My number nine guys um, is Cassius Winston. Going back to the point guard pool, sure. Um, I mentioned him as in that Tillman segment, but Winston he he's just a a dang good point guard. Like not going to blow you away, but man, he's if he's on your team, you're going to just be really happy with your point your backup point guard situation. And you're never going to – it's just nice that you're going to be like, you know what, I never have to worry about that for the next three years if I draft <laughs> someone like Cassius Winston. I'm with you there. He's someone that if he got drafted, man, Coach Malone would love having him on his team. He loves Monte Morris, and this is basically a Monte Morris clone. Like, like Winston does so many of those things, and, and he, like, he might be a little bit more aggressive than a guy like Morris – but he is and he's a little bit more mistake prone because of that but like he knows exactly what he has to do on the floor every single time and he got tutelage from Michigan State's program with Tom Izzo like like that's that's saying something and, and he's been he's been a, he's going to be a good pro uh, the question i think i have with him is what is his ceiling and and i just think that there are so many guys that that you could draft that you could potentially get better for at 22 yeah, twenty-two. That's definitely a little bit of a reach. If they're going to take someone like Cassius Winston, I'm, I would really love to just see them trade back, um, which is, you know, two two dirty words in Nuggets lore. But uh, <laughs> just take him in the early second round and and don't worry about it. It's funny. Uh, the last guy on my board then is Robert Woodard, the second out of Mississippi State. Um, just a, a nice kind of wing player that you're saying, hey, you know. Tyler Bay got picked. That sucks. 
we were kind of hoping to fill that role. Um, I think taking someone like him, um, let's see what he, what he's putting up. Um, <clears throat> sorry. I was, I was pretty uh, underwhelmed so by, by his numbers. I think. Yeah, a 42% three-point shooter on, on just a couple of attempts, 64 from the free-throw line, so you're curious if it can translate. Um, not much of a you know ball share. Rebounded okay, scored okay, didn't really put up a ton of stats, but at 6'7", 230 pounds, you're just kind of banking on the you know the, the physical profile and, and hoping he develops into something better. And we've seen those kinds of guys translate. Like it, it's not, it's not crazy to think that a guy that doesn't have great stats won't translate, because he is six seven. He's two thirty. He he was a productive player in the SEC, and and I think there are, he has a lot of fans in the NBA community for sure. Uh, a lot of people have compared him to Robert Covington. Like, and I I don't know if I would go that far because I just don't think he's athletic enough to to make that case. But his legs are strong, and I could I could see him being a guy who battles against fours and fives pretty consistently. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's That's take ten. another. Well, let's take another break. I do have an honorable. Oh, go ahead. I do have an honorable mention. Uh, Grant Miller. Um, I mentioned him earlier, but my last scoring point guard. So eleven. And and he makes sense, but I think I think you missed one or two guys that I'm I'm curious to get your opinion on when we come sure. back from this thing, man. So when we come back, we're gonna go over my top ten and maybe go over some honorable mentions there, and we're gonna compare notes. We'll be right back. All right, back with Daniel Lewis, uh, Denver Stiff Show. Got a, a big draft show here. I, I did a draft segment on Nuggets number, not segment, but I did a, dra- a draft show on Nuggets numbers earlier in the week, and I'm glad that I get to compare notes with Dan here because it is fun to talk with somebody else and make sure that you're not crazy, make sure that you're not you're not thinking that <laughs> all of this is like in your head, uh, especially because of COVID. <laughs> like everything is topsy turvy right now, so. Uh, I was curious as to why Devin Vassell was not on your top 10. Uh, I just, I know he's not in the top 10 on the ESPN rankings, but I I just think it would be an incredible stroke of fate if he fell all the way to 22. Uh, I I hear you there, but like it was incredible when Brandon Clark dropped to Memphis. Yeah, that's true. Maybe people get concerned about his shot, but. Like he's, a, he's a guy. He's a guy who I think, like he's been in the profile for a long time. Like he has been a lottery type for a long, long time, and it, I would be shocked if he dropped there. But he's the guy that I wanted to kick this thing off with because I think he is the most NBA ready wing uh, that's coming into this draft, uh, other than maybe Desmond Bain. But I think that Devin Vassell's physical traits, like he's he is the best option for Denver if he were to fall. Uh, I see him as like a P.J. Dozier type, but with a higher shooting ceiling by far. And if P.J. Dozier could shoot 40% from three, then he would be absolutely a starting caliber player, maybe bordering on an all-star. So, like, there, there is a lot of Devin Vassell love coming from this side. What's the name of the kid that is playing for Philadelphia that you like, the defensive guard? Uh, Matisse Teibel. Yeah. Uh, who would you rather have, Devin 
Vassell or Matisse Tybel? I would rather have Vassell because I trust his jumper a lot more. But hey, okay. uh, Matisse Tybel is like I, I could see it with him. He just he never really shot the ball well in college, but he was always just an elite defensive presence. I like the idea of Vassell because I think that he can stick on the floor. Even if he's try- even if teams are trying to pick on him on either side of the ball, like I think he's going to hold up. Okay, and you're not concerned about his weight at all or his jump shot? No, I think he's going to build up his body a little bit. Like he's he's six seven. He's <clears throat> a little bit skinny, um, but I I think that he's a player who will go from about like I think he's one ninety two hundred right now. And he's going to get up to about two ten two twenty. And when you're up at two ten, like you can you can hang with shooting guards. Like I think he's he's going to be okay, and he's a guy who I think can defend one through three. Okay, who's your number two? Number two is Precious Achua. Uh, again, I I'm very high on his fit with Denver specifically because he does a lot of the dirty work things, but I also think that he has some skills and that he could play a, a backup center role to Jokic, but also play next to him at power forward. Um, think there's definitely some options there. Uh, Number three, I have Sadiq Bay, and I I know why you didn't have him on your board. I just think that he's a guy who, if you're counting on, if you want to point to players who can, like who can definitely like contribute during this regular season, he's at the top of the list. Like in in one of the the like outside of the top ten guys, he's definitely like in the top five of guys who can contribute immediately. Okay, I mean I. We we kind of mentioned him earlier. Do you want to keep talking about him? No, I think I, people know about Sadiq Bay. Like he, he's a Villanova guy. Uh, he's been in that program for a long time, and or at least it feels like a long time. I actually think he's only a sophomore, but but I yeah, could I think be wrong it's about three that. years. I think he okay. redshirted. Mm, okay, that makes sense. Uh, but like he he shot forty five percent from three. Like it, it's it's hard to fake that. And given his shooting, <laughs> like given his uh, free throw shooting number, like. I think at least most of that is reasonable. It's reasonable to think that he could do that going forward. So maybe not 45%, but 40%. Like anytime you can get a guy that you think is going to be a 40% free point shooter at 6'8", like I'm okay with it. Um, yeah. Number four is a guy that you didn't mention. I'm, I'm quite surprised. It's Alexei Pokushevsky. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I just think that at some point you you can only have so many unicorns. You know, and then the, <laughs> it's, it's the stable starts to get too full. You know, <laughs> I think like if if you're going to like, I think that Tim Connolly approaches the draft pretty well. And one of the one of his traits, one of one of the things that he's always going to continue to do is draft for talent. And and when you have a bunch of talented players, like it's it's hard, and you can you can part with some of those guys a little bit easier. Like let's say they needed to trade Bol Bol in a Drew Holiday deal. Like let's say the 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 Pelicans weren't going to do that deal unless they got Bol Bol. I have and no problem with that. I, I think that you're fine. And especially if you draft Pokashevsky, then, okay, well, Bol Bol goes out the door and, and Pokashevsky comes in and he's not going to play, but like he develops behind him and, and maybe he develops into a four that you can play next to Jokic or a five next to Porter at the four. Like, I don't know. Like, I think there's, there is some utility there. And if not, then if teams are very interested in him, then you could sell him for... 120 cents on the dollar like that would be great yeah i i think there's just so many ifs around him like if, if this goes right and this goes right and this goes right he's like the second best player in the draft but yeah if those things don't go right you know if, if he you know doesn't you know physically develop into someone that can 
um, you know, play against empty athletes. If, if he does get bigger, but then he loses some of the speed and agility that helps him stand out, you know, that, like you said, he's, he's a unicorn. If, if he develops into something special, great. Um, but I, I just am hesitant to take guys that I could potentially, it seems like have, have a high probability of being two years away from being two years away. Hey, fair enough. And like, I think there's, there's a realistic possibility that, he, that he's Dragon Bender. And as high as I <laughs> oh, was gosh. on Dragon Bender, like, like yeah. he, like he could definitely be that, but he could also be like a Kristaps Porzingis, Nikola Jokic hybrid. Like, like when we're talking about those kinds of players, like it's, it's hard not to be interested especially when you're drafting at 22, because like you might as well take some big swings at that point. Like it's very possible that you don't get a contributor. Even if you're drafting for a perfect fit and a perfect need, like things may still not work out. Even if they get like a Devin Vassell at that range, like, like if, if Vassell just never shoots at a, at an NBA level, then maybe he's not the guy that you want him to be. But like Pokachevsky, like you never know. You, you never know what he could ultimately be. So or maybe you draft a shooting guard who's a little too eager to shoot. <laughs> True. That's her difference. Yeah, that's that's the Jordan Hamilton syndrome right there. Um, oh, well, I mean, I was talking more about uh, Lake Beasley, but anyways. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Moving right along. Uh, <laughs> uh, number five is Desmond Bain. Uh, <laughs> I think. That's a good spot for him. You had him seven. I have him five. Like, that's a really good spot for him, I think. Like, he just makes a lot of sense for this particular team, too. He may not be a perfect defender, but I think he's good enough, and he's going to be good enough at the NBA level that you don't really worry about it. Yeah. I I, I think he's going to be a solid pro wherever he winds up. If he gets drafted by the Mavericks, I'll be really sad. Yeah, like, that's <laughs> that's a perfect fit for him. And and he would, yeah. he would start there, and he would play really well. Um. Number six, like we talked about, Tyler Bay, uh, local elite athlete, versatile forward. I think is a guy who's going to be able to cover for other people's mistakes. Uh, you need guys like that when you're starting Porter and Jokic and Murray. Like, like you want a guy who can cover a lot of ground, who can switch onto different people, who can kind of like, like be the defense unto himself. Like, I think Tyler Bay has that kind of potential. Uh, he might not, and and it might not work out, and maybe the shooting doesn't work out. But I think he's going to be able to hit open shots. Do you? Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I think if he kind of gets a solid jump, you know, form on his jump shot, he may not be a fast jumper, but he's going to be wide open when he's pulling the trigger on those. So he just needs to be able to, you know, shoot thirty five percent on you know like four attempts a game. You know where. Some games he hits two, and you're like, "Oh, we got we got a couple three pointers from Tyler Bay. That's awesome." Sure. Uh, but most games, if he just gets one, you're like, "Hey, that's just get one. You know, just get us one." Sure. So the defense has to kind of you know run out and close out on you a little bit. I, I like him in the sense that uh, he'd get he would scratch your Aaron Gordon niche. You know, we, we wouldn't have to trade for <laughs> Aaron Gordon anymore. They trade with you. I, it's Jeremy Grant. It's Tyler Bay. It's Aaron Gordon. It's those guys that are around six eight. That they just like I, I I think the world of them and you and love I, them that's fine that's it's good. it's it's my it's my niche that's that's definitely it's that's definitely my type of guy speaking of maybe, those type in, of oh go maybe ahead. in seven years maybe in seven years we can sign Tobias Harris then <laughs> <laughs> I you remember I wanted him <laughs> like I he's, did want, he's I, he's younger than you'd think <laughs> yeah I I'm I'm fully with you there um, speaking of guys in that profile number seven 
is a guy who I cannot believe is not higher on draft boards most of the, mostly. It's Paul Reed. Oh, yeah. I mean, he would definitely be an honorable mention guy for me. How is he so low? Because uh, he played at DePaul and just put up crazy numbers. I think a lot of people are like that. There's no way that that's going to be able to translate into the NBA. But DePaul's but, not like – they're not like a Division two school. Like they don't play the, the top of the top competition. But my lord, the film that he has is unbelievable. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Ten rebounds a game at, you know, what, 6'10", 215 pounds just flying around the court. Yeah, he's, he's got great highlight films. He's athletic. He's got great defensive instincts. He steals the ball on the perimeter. He blocks perimeter jump shots and shots at the rim. He rebounds. He can handle the ball. He has a jump shot. Like, I think he could play next Doesn't to. Doesn't foul be, a lot. Yeah, like he, he just, he seems like he checks all of these boxes. And he's an analytics darling because of the production that he has. And I get that. that I'm, I'm more tied to guys like that. But going through some of the databases on on which players succeed he fits that criteria really well like he's he's like yeah. a Brandon Clark type i mean on my board i have him at 40 and i have Jaden McDaniels at 37 man, man. and I, I probably when i was putting my board together i was like oh should i put McDaniels below reed or you know reed above McDaniels and i ultimately went with McDaniels but I, I don't – looking at it again, I have no problem putting him at like 36, 35. See, man, I, I would I would have a first-round grade on him. And and maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's maybe that's overreacting in a draft that's, that's mostly perimeter-oriented, that's got a lot of good guards. But like if I'm looking at guys who I think could guard Anthony Davis, who I think could switch on the perimeter and guard guards, who I think could – create for themselves and, and do a lot of different things. Like he's the guy, he is the guy. Yeah. Uh, if, if they took him at 22, I, I would be pretty ecstatic about that because it would mean that they saw something in his film that they like, Hey, we can, we can get the best out of him and he can translate really well into our culture and into our roster. And I, I trust Tim Connolly to evaluate talent uh, better than I can. Sure. And and even if he's like even if he's a backup, imagine if he's playing next to Bull Bull. Uh well only in wins. <laughs> anyway. Uh. <laughs> hey, we're we're trying to be positive here. I think that those guys, like both of them can shoot. Both of them can switch onto the perimeter a little bit. Like Bull Bull's gonna be a little bit more of a mess, but like he can make up for some <laughs> of that with, with being like seven foot three. Yeah, having a ten foot wingspan, whatever. Yeah, like fill, cover a lot of holes. No, so, I, like, I, I'd it's be definitely excited. a ceiling play. Like I, I think it, that he's, it is definitely he's, a ceiling play. Like I, I, I acknowledge that he has some potential warts. Um, the competition level wasn't perfect, but like, my God, if he isn't drafted in the first round, then the Nuggets should be trading back into the second round to get him. Like, even if they don't take him in the, at twenty-two, then they, they, they should take him in the second round if he's there. Yeah, um, I'm looking back over my board and like I have Jordan Nwara, uh out of Louisville at 33. I should probably just swap him and Paul Reed, which yeah. gets you almost right into the first round. It's it's borderline. It's it's making its way there. Okay, uh, number eight, I have Xavier Tillman. Uh, we've talked about him. Like he he is he's a ready to go big man. He's got a relatively low ceiling, I would say, but 
and because I, I just don't think that he can play next to Jokic, but he could. And if he did do that, then I would I would move him up higher uh, because his like being at Michigan State and doing some of the things that he did. Like I there is some merit to that. There is definitely some utility to that for sure. Uh, number nine, I have Josh Green. Uh, I think he's like kind of like Devin Vassell, but worse. Uh, prototypical three and D wing type. He's got good size to play the two next to Murray. If if they if they ended up doing that long term, uh, my question about him is: Can he do anything more on offense than just shoot? Uh, does he have enough creativity to be able to do other things? Can he defend small forwards on defense? Like if he can't do that and he's locked at the one and the two, then like how you how how good is he really? How how helpful is he really? Uh, what do you think about Josh Green as as a long term project for this team? I think he's someone that could really you know follow like a like a Gary Harris path where it's like okay hey you know we're gonna spend this first year you just start working on this one skill. You know, every time we come to practice or shoot around, I want you shooting corner threes. And then, sure. you know, and then when you're not shooting corner threes, if you, I want you in the weight room, you know, just working and trying to get stronger in your core. And then year two, you work on your ball handling. And then year three, we give you more minutes, you know, so that I, I do think that he has the, he really just has like the physical tools, I think, to, to be successful if everything starts clicking for him fast he could be a contributor early but i i i don't think that i mean he he's a tough call because i could easily see him busting if those things don't work out but uh, I, I definitely think he's worth the the risk he he's the exact kind of guy who goes higher than you think that he should because teams like they they trust themselves and they trust their their ability to develop him and they think of his athletic traits and see him as a prototypical three and D wing type and they think like okay hey we could develop this guy and he he makes sense but then he doesn't really do much of anything because they don't develop him so right. I'm uh I'm interested like I would trust the Nuggets to be able to develop him they didn't do it great with Malik Beasley but like Beasley improved like like he he just didn't really have a great opportunity here. And, and like obviously things went awry, uh, but like I could see I, Josh Green kind of filling that long term role, right? I think if Josh Green is someone that comes into the NBA and is having to play 20, 25 minutes a night, or, you know, twenty five to thirty minutes a night in his rookie season, he's probably going to bust out because he's going to be just he's not going to be able to get the chance to to learn habits in a controlled environment. Yeah, you know, he's like, he's going to be a, a a single digit PER guy, forty five percent true shooting. Like like that's that's a guy who like a definitely Josh Jackson. Does those things. Yeah, I, I I could see that for sure. But then um, you know, a couple of years down the road, someone's like, "Hey, we're going to take a chance on you, and we're you know, we're going to bring you into our good." Like he's going to he's going to wind up on the Miami Heat, and then be like, "Oh my gosh, how have people been sleeping on this guy?" But it's just because he needed time to develop into his body, figure out his game, and then get into a good culture. Sure. Okay, number 10 for me is Tyrese Maxey. Uh, he's a guy who I profiled earlier this week. He's a combo guard. He's got elite quickness. Uh, he's got good defensive instincts. I think he's going to be a better shooter at the next level, and I think he's probably going to be a point guard defender at the next level, not necessarily anybody bigger than that. Uh, that limits him a little bit for a team like the Nuggets. Like, if you, if you think, like, Gary Harris specifically, like 
Gary Harris, if he could defend threes a little bit better, like would be like unbelievable. And I think that's what Tyrese Maxey, like that's what you would want him to do. But I don't think he can do that. Yeah, I just I'm not sure if he's a point guard or a shooting guard. Um, in, in that six foot three, I mean, hopefully, it's more like six foot four in shoes, you know, because they don't play basketball sure. barefoot. Um, hopefully, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> with, with his wingspan, and I, I just think that he's got a really good drive. I think he's going to be someone that's going to really work on improving his game. Like you're saying, I, I think his three point shot will improve as well. I don't think he's a 29 percent three point shooter. It just didn't make sense. Like, like there, he he was a guy who had a lot of ball handling duties assigned to him. Like, because Ashton Hagens was their starting point guard, and Emmanuel Quickly, like I thought he was going to be more of a guard, but like he just doesn't handle the ball or pass at all. So like they needed somebody to pass other than Ashton Hagens, and because they had two bigs that didn't do anything. It's like right. So, <clears throat> I, well, I mean, it hurts my feelings that you talk about Nick Richards like that, but you know. <laughs> Uh, I do think Maxi is a good player. Hey, yeah. he he could he's going to be able to get a oh, I, oh never mind they're not doing summer. <laughs> uh, okay, couple honorable mentions like you mentioned Cassius Winston, uh, you mentioned Cole Anthony. I I agree with both of those. They should be honorable mentions. R.J. Hampton's a guy who I think is going to bust, but I I still include him here. Like if the Nuggets drafted R.J. Hampton. Like it would be for a reason. It would be like because they believed in his talent level and think they could cultivate it. And who am I to really question that at that point? Uh, because they've cultivated a lot of talent before. Um, sure. Tyrell uh, Terry. Before... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, do you have a couple more players? I I have three more really quick. Okay. Tyrell Terry is kind of in that point guard mold. Who I I trust his offensive game to translate because I think he's a forty percent three point shooter, and if you're a forty percent three point shooter, then it really helps. Uh, Isaiah Joe, you mentioned him before. He's kind of a an off the radar six foot five shooting guard type. Who he has the size to play the two. Uh, I don't think he has the size to play the three, and that kind of limits him. Same thing with Aaron Neesmith, who I think he's a great shooter and should be great. Uh, he's listed as a small forward right now on ESPN. I don't think he can defend threes. I don't think he can defend twos. I don't know what position he defends. Oof. Okay. Last one? Uh, that was it. Oh, that was it? Okay. Right, so I had one more question just before we close things out. Um, I, I know we were focusing on guys that are outside the top ten. But if <coughs> if a top, top five team in the draft, if you could get a top five pick in a trade – ignore the pieces that we're sending out, right, to get that pick. Just suddenly the Nuggets have a top pick. Who's the guy in the top five that you would want them to take? Oh, God. Can I say nobody? Uh (laughs) No, you have to take a top five pick. (laughs) Oh, great. Well, LaMelo Ball might be able to pass, and he might be able to fit next to Murray as much more of a point guard type. Maybe he's more Lonzo than, than anybody else. I don't know. Uh, James Wiseman, uh, like he's an elite athlete, but does he fit? Uh, Anthony Edwards and Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray, that that sounds like a nightmare. Uh, I think I would go with Onyeka Okongwu. Okay. And try to put him as like a 
Yeah, I would try to. Try, like he would be Power the forward. like he would be a twenty five minute per game guy, as as maybe he he begins the game as a as a backup five, but then plays next to Jokic for some of his minutes, uh, and just basically like tries to swallow up the paint while Jokic is out there. Um, is our band man a bio? Yeah, that would that would be my that would be my bet there. Who? What about you? Like what are, what are you thinking here? Um, well, I I don't think. I mean, I actually think taking a look at Obi Toppin might not be a bad idea, although he's really not as much of a defender. But just adding another like six foot nine, two hundred and thirty pound um, forward to kind of play alongside Michael Porter Jr. You know, kind of. I think there's some intrigue there, and you just hope that he develops or into an average defender. And you say, hey, we're just going to score one hundred and twenty points a game um, with Toppin, yeah. MPJ. And Jokic out there. <laughs> I'm I'm um, in the business and, of not giving Michael Malone heart attacks. Like I think that, that's uh that's a, a goal so that I kind of have. Lose. <laughs> <laughs> like I just I just I I can't see it. Like trying to get Porter, of uh, Toppin and Jokic to defend in the front court. Like what are you doing, man? <laughs> that's tough. Yeah, I, it, it'd be it'd be a tough look, I think, for the Nuggets. But I, I think it would either have to come down. I have Anthony Edwards number one. I think that he's the most talented player in the draft. I just don't think he's a great great fit right now for the Nuggets because they have so many other scoring options. Sure. I think you'd have to go with Okungwu and, and just really hope that you can pull like an Indiana or a Miami where you're saying, hey, we're just playing two bigs. We're like the Lakers. And, what about uh, a – oh, go ahead. We're, put, we're putting him at power forward, and, and we're hoping for the best. Are you going to ask me about uh, the, the guy out of Israel, Denny? Yeah, Denny, it's Denny Avdia. Uh, he's he's kind of a, a a versatile defender passer type, but he just can't shoot. Uh, it's kind of a big butt. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I think I'd actually rather trade back and take Poku <laughs> if I'm going to be taking <laughs> nice. him. What about so, Isaac Okoro? Um, I really like him as a, as an option at, at the two guard, but again, if if I'm if I have a top, you know five pick and Okungu is on the board and if it's like okay do you want to take Okoro or Okungu I'm just going to go with Okungu I think I think Okungu has a really really good chance of being the best player in this draft I have him number two who do you have number one Anthony Edwards okay yeah I've, I've kind of I've Anthony Edwards has grown on me but like more like a a tumor like not like like he's, he's, it's Jeez, it's like I, I just I just don't even like I don't feel good about it like nobody in this top five top seven even like I feel good about I feel good about drafting the role players from the 10 to 35 range rather than the the stars in the one to ten range you know uh, I I agree with you there I mean would you look at Tyrese Halliburton oh uh, I, I can't get past his jumper like that's sure. been it's it's so it is the ugliest thing I have seen in a long time. And There's a lot of arms in it. It's oh, man. I if if he could rework that thing, and then you could you could sell me. Okay, we're playing Tyrese Halliburton next to Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. I'd be okay with that. I could I could get behind that, but like, it's it's not it's not enjoyable. Right. <laughs> like like is is Tyrese Halliburton better than Malcolm Brogdon at the next level? No, probably not. Is Desmond Bain? 
better than Brogdon? No. Yeah. I don't think but, so. But he Brogdon's has, a pretty good player. <laughs> yeah, he is. But like I think Desmond Bain has about as good of a chance as Tyrese Halliburton does. Oh, yes. I would if I had to choose between the two, I, I would I'd probably just go with Bain. How insane is that that we're talking about these guys in the ten to thirty range and like thinking, yeah, I'd rather have those guys than anybody in the top ten. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the that's how you punish teams for being bad. You give them bad draft classes. <laughs> true, true. Oh man. Well, we we've gone a little bit over here, but this has been great, man. I, I've <laughs> I've really enjoyed this conversation with you. Uh, any parting shots on the draft before we head out? Uh, draft Savior Tillman, please, Tim Connolly, if you're listening, <laughs> he's a good option. I, I'm I'm fully on board with it if it does happen. Don't don't do 2017 to me again. <laughs> Uh, aren't you our resident Tyler Lydon stand? Come on now. Ah, oh, man, I I wanted to die that night. But anyway, <laughs> Tyler Lydon, uh, we miss you. We miss we miss all of your contributions from the bench. Uh, I hope you're you're happy wherever you are with your <laughs> free four million dollars that the Nuggets gave you. I, I hope oh I gosh. hope his I hope his truck is doing well. Uh, it's oh, it definitely is. a truck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, it is a Ford, I think. He, he did make that mistake, too. <laughs> awesome. Well, well, dude, you've been great. Uh, anything you're working on while, while, before we get you out of here? Uh, no, just my last end-of-season end of review probably won't come out until Monday uh, with the Halloween coming up. But, uh, yeah, look forward to writing about Jeremy Grant eventually. <laughs> All good. And then just more draft content, you know, as we get closer to November 18th. I'm excited about this draft. This draft has been good, and, and like like talking about it has been therapeutic. Like kind of getting back into the the swing of things, as as crazy as the swing of things has been lately. Yeah, it'll be it'll be it will be a fun draft to watch because there are going to be a lot of whoa moments where you're like, holy cow, that guy oh, went man. there, or they made some. Oh my gosh, they did a trade. What? You know, <laughs> I think I think there'll be it'll be a fun draft to watch. We should do a draft call Zoom uh, with oh, our with the stiffs. That'll be so fun. I'll be down for that. Okay. Awesome, man. Well, hey, thanks for talking to me. And uh, and everybody, make sure to go check out Dan. Uh, go find him on Twitter. Oh, wait. You can't really find oh, him on Twitter anymore. anymore. No. Denver oh, Stiffs man. on Twitter. Uh, Denver <laughs> Stiffs. On, at, yeah, at Denver Stiffs on Twitter. At NBA Blackbird on Twitter. Thank you guys so much for, for tuning into this episode. And we'll talk to you guys next week.